When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DMVR Draft Pod. Tis the season, April draft month, full draft season, and at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, the presenting sponsor of this year podcast. You use that code DMVR. They will get you hooked up every which way. Right now, Masters, draft props, NHL playoff props, NBA playoff props. And if you're a new user, get in on their UFC 287 action where you can bet a pre-fight money line of $5 and win 150 in bonus bets if that hits. I am with my guy, Justin Michael, the man, the myth, the legend in Rams country. It's his season. He's down there on that grind, actually taking in some football practices these days, Justin. Yeah, it's it's been nice. I'll actually I'll be there uh, tomorrow morning, which will be fun. Couple hours in the sun, taking in a little bit of spring ball. We're getting it's a amazing. little closer to the action that matters now. CSU started a little bit later than CU did, so the first couple of days, you know, you're wearing not even in full pads or anything, so there's not a ton to take away from it. But we're getting closer to the spring game. I'm stoked. There's a couple of position groups I'm really interested in seeing. They've added a lot of talent. I mean, they added. 40 plus new players this off Crazy. season. So it's, it's going to be a, a different look in Boulder and Fort Collins, but college football cannot get here soon enough, man. Dude, no kidding. Um, I in covering for Jake went down to Boulder to watch an open practice on Wednesday. Boy, this has been a long week and it was so nice to just take in ball again. Um, it's that time of year where April hits. And our bodies just start to long for football again, you know? So the draft is coming around at just the right time. It's great to start getting these spring practices going again. And obviously, DMVR Rams, DMVR Buffs have you covered every which way. I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, fall, man. About as exciting in college football locally as we've been in quite a while. Um over a decade, probably. Yeah, I, that sounds about I mean, there fair. There were moments in the sun with both programs. Like there were high expectations for CSU in 2017. That season didn't yep. pan out the way they hoped. 2016 with the buffs and the rise obviously was a nice little run for them, but then it mm-hmm. kind of ended unceremoniously with the Pac-12 title game in the in the Alamo Bowl, I think it was. So it's that's right. It's yeah. just been a long time since these teams have actually been relevant, and it feels like there's an opportunity for both of them to make a little bit of noise within their respective leagues, which we've all been craving. No kidding. And I'm sure we're going to get more conference alignment stuff. Um, seen some murmurs about Big 12 contacting CU last night. So that's always exciting. Hot take from you right now, April 7th, a very early who will be the Rams' top draft prospect once the season's all said and done? Mo Kamara. There you go. Um, Mo staring me in the face anytime I go back to that list of nation leaders and tackles for a loss. He's right there. 
very prominently displayed up top ahead of a lot of the draft prospects we talked on last week's episode going over the interior defensive line and edge rushers. Check that out. One of my favorite episodes we've done all year. We're mixing it up a little because we've got four more episodes to go in April before the draft starts. So we're taking a break from position previews until Jake comes back next week. Two of my favorites coming up, offensive line, wide receiver. Cannot wait to get into both of those. But right now, I wanted to get a little more newsy, a little more April update on where things stand with the draft, where people are projecting things to go in round one. But before we really jump into that, I wanted to talk about some top 30 visits from the Broncos. They've brought in a lot of guys, a lot of just lesser known names feels like they're feeling out their priority free agents. Um, and, you know, maybe getting some local guys in, which is a kind of a classic Momadou Diabate, um, the linebacker out of Utah, Jamie Robinson, the Florida state safety, who's kind of a box guy and was a bit of a standout at the Senior Bowl. Didn't flash as much for me, but I think he actually won Defensive Practice Player of the Week. Alex Austin, an Oregon State corner that's getting some buzz. Israel Abinekenda, the running back out of Pitt, also was brought in. Rasheed Rice, SMU's wide receiver, who we'll get into when we preview those wideouts. Very disappointing Senior Bowl for him. Payne Durham, big tight end out of Purdue. I think we touched on him, but more and actually some some known names at linebacker like Ventrell Miller, Demar Vion Overshawn. But the guys who really stood out to me, Justin, were some big names like Darnell Wright was brought in on a top thirty visit. Uh, FAU Felix uh, Awuduza Uzarike, the Kansas State. Edge rusher, Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia, which coming into the season, he was a top five projected prospect in this mm-hmm. class. He's dropped so far. I think some are projecting him to not even go in the first round, which makes him an intriguing person for the Broncos to look after. And Luke Musgrave, the Oregon State tight end, a guy who, when we did our tight end preview at Breckenridge Brewery's farmhouse, I compared to Mark Andrews and has since run like Mark Andrews, and I think his stock is picking up. I think this is very intriguing because we know Sean Payton's history of trading up. I think you know there can be some smoke screens, but when it comes to top thirty visits, you are taking the time. This is your you're asking your staff to take time out of their day take hours away from evaluating, game planning, preparing for the season, preparing for the draft, preparing for the offseason to take their time and put these guys under the microscope. So at the very least, you have draftable grades on these guys. Maybe they're not your top targets. You know, for all we know, a guy like Anton Harrison, who might be projected in the same range as the Darnell Wright, they have all, they've checked off all the boxes. They've talked to their high, his high school coach. They've been able to scout them. All the information they're getting checks out and all different sources are corroborating the same background. There's no discrepancies. And you say, okay, we don't need to do a top 30 visit. We feel good. Keep it on the down low with these guys. Um, So, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. But I do think we've gotten too caught up in the, the smoke screens and stuff where the top 30 visits don't necessarily apply there. Of those four top guys, 
if the Broncos were to move up, is there anyone that intrigues you more than the other? I like Musgrave a lot. I mean, yeah. we were high on him and Kincaid all season long, just watching a lot of Pac-12 yeah. football. I just think the tight end position is something that Denver has long needed more out of. They just have not mm-hmm. really been able to maximize it despite drafting some pretty athletic guys, some intriguing prospects. I mean, I think you've you've seen some flashes these last couple of years, and, and we'll see, but... I think he would be a lot of fun. I mean, going after Felix uh, and Duque Uzamoa out of Kansas State would Thank be a, a fun project pick. Um, projects maybe a little bit harsh, but a guy that you, you would have to work with, but I think could eventually kind of be a pretty productive edge rusher for you. Yeah. The, the, either one of those guys would be a lot of fun, but uh, probably lean towards Musgrave just because I think he can contribute a, a little sooner. My only thing with Musgrave is, is he too much of a receiving tight end? And with Albert O and Dulcich. That's that's a really good point. I would say it would probably mean they're going to move on from Albert O, would right. be my guess, especially if you're trading up for a tight end at that point. But I think you really nailed it on the head. I mean, we don't want to get too carried away. It's It's not like if you're watching the draft and one of these guys is sitting there, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee they're going to take him. But considering their lack of early picks, I don't think they would be wasting their time with these top 30 visits if these mm-hmm. weren't guys that they were genuinely intrigued by. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say, to me, Darnell Wright, a guy who's probably out of reach. I mean, picks 67 and 68 are the draft value of 505 points. Uh, 500 points is equal to the 40th pick. So, you know, top top 10 in the second round. I just don't see Darnell Wright doing that. In fact, I placed a future on Darnell Wright to be the first non-quarterback selected at plus 20,000. It's $5 to win a thousand. Um, it's a long That's shot. Fun. I that doubt that though. happens. He's it could hit. It could hit. Here's the thing, man. Um, this is the beauty of the draft is we follow it year round. And it's what I absolutely love about this podcast is we just, we are in tune to the ebbs and flows of every single one of these guys draft stocks. We can track exactly the week when Darnell Wright showed up against Bama, great game against Will Anderson, really elevated his stock, put him on our radar. Keely Ringo, I think the drop-off, you know, some of the poo-pooing happens around mid-season when he doesn't play as well. Um, You know, Musgrave elevates the stock every single week. Uh, FAU, you know, eight weeks in, one of the sack leaders in the country, we're really talking him up and then kind of slows down. But where the NFL draft gets fun and is different and flips things on our head is... A lot of these decision makers are not falling this year round. They have staffs of scouts who are falling this year round, year in, year out, much like us, with a different eye and different access, of course. But then these final decision makers come in with a full new perspective. And Darnell Wright is exactly that kind of guy who you come in with a new perspective. You say, wow, started 13 games at left tackle. A year ago as a junior for Tennessee, one of, even then one of the most prolific offenses in the country, does it at an even higher level at right tackle for a top team in the country in Tennessee last year. Senior Bowl, destroyed one of these standouts. Combine, destroyed one of these standouts on the offensive line. 
So it doesn't matter where we've ranked them all year. It doesn't matter what we talked about. When these guys come in with fresh eyes, fresh perspective, they're going to see him right there in contention for the top offensive tackle spot. Um, so I think he's out of reach. Ringo, to me, is the dream. I mean, geez, Louise, to put a guy like that opposite Patrick Sertan. Obviously, I think he's, he's going have... to go higher, too, though. I think he's totally another man. guy that, especially as this process goes, because he he had some rough stretches this year, yeah. but as a whole, I mean, he's he's pretty polished. and Totally, man. I, I just don't think somebody is going to care that much about a rough stretch for Georgia, especially because they kind of, we talked about it all year, they hit that, like, cruise spot where they were just, yeah. they knew yeah. they were going to win, and it was just a matter of, like, all right, let's just take care of business, get out of here. And when the playoffs mattered, like we saw that team turn it on and Ohio State still moved the ball better on them than I expected them to. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think that's a credit to Ohio State's offense more than Georgia's defense being lacking. For sure. And I thought he had a great matchup against Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, Um, but I agree completely. I mean, size measurables, pedigree, tape, how what he's done in some of the bigger games, Natty last year. Etc. I don't think he drops, but the depth at cornerback makes that a bit more plausible than maybe um, some of these guys. And then we're left with Felix. Felix, I don't know, man. This edge rusher spot is so interesting because you've already got a four-man rotation. You don't want to add someone that's going to take valuable snaps and time to develop away from Nick Benito and Baron Browning and Jonathan Cooper. But at the same time, you want some insurance for Grandy Gregory potentially getting injured again. And if you feel Felix or any edge other edge rusher who you might target in a trade-up is a true upgrade, then it is your job to, to target those guys. Forget those four for a second. Other guys you might target in a trade-up if Sean Payton was to do a Sean Payton thing and pair those two top 70 picks and try to move up into the early second or who knows even late first. Will McDonald of Iowa state, I think mm. would be kind of interesting if he slipped a little bit, Zach Harrison, maybe of Ohio state, but he didn't quite wow yeah. throughout the draft process. Like I was mm. hoping for with him. I think I'd probably rather just sit back and, and hope that he maybe falls. Um, but yeah, I think if you could potentially make a move on someone like Will McDonald or I was going to say Ojalari, but I really wouldn't trade up for him. I, no. Again, I, I like some of what I've seen, but maybe I'd take a flyer on him if he falls. But who, who would be your top guy? Like, who would be your number one? Would it be edge or would it be corner? It would be interior More defensive tackle. line where you can go Adetomiya, Adetaware, the Northwestern kid who I actually fell in love with in prepping for our last week episode. He's a guy I would definitely target just because I feel like his upside is really intriguing. He feels an, an immediate need as kind of an interior defensive line penetrator. Um, you know my love for Darnell Washington. And I think that's a guy who could complement the tight ends you have a little more. He could really complement that new, the new offensive lineman you've added and really lean into what you're trying to build with Ben Powers, with Mike McGlinchey in building a, a true Bill Parcellian type dominant front on offense that could impose their will um, on opposing teams. 
Couldn't go wrong with some of these top corners, certainly, um, whether that's Joey Porter Jr. We talked about Ringo. I think Emmanuel Forbes would be really intriguing. Christian Gonzalez would be really intriguing. Deontay Banks. At the same time, uh, Ringo aside, Joey Porter Jr. aside, and, you know, I like the other guys, but at that point, I might just stay put and hope, like, Clark Phillips drops to me. That's what I, that's who I was going to point. Right? I was going to say, is the value really there to make a mm-hmm. move on some of these guys when you could probably get something comparable if you just sit and wait? Exactly. I think the, the interior defensive line would be really interesting. Yeah. Any of these tight ends are, are a lot of fun just because mm-hmm. they're so dynamic, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, Dalton Kincaid, Mayer, Washington, Musgrave. I like Tucker Craft of South Dakota State. I wouldn't trade yeah. up for him, but I yeah. like him. Yeah. I like a lot of these guys. Dude, that's one of those positions we did earlier pre-combine, and actually I think we need to circle back and highlight some guys because some dudes really blew up. It's, su- I mean, that's one of those classes that the more you analyze, the more it's like, holy shit, there's another guy. Um, you can and- maybe have four tight ends go in the first round. It'll probably be three, I think, but you could maybe, if somebody falls in love with somebody and trades up at the end, I could see it happening. Justin, there's some intriguing odds on over two and a half tight ends in round one. Just I feel like three saying. is a lock. Just we'll talk about saying. it again. We'll get into it. Just saying, man. Um, there'd be some sexy, fun wide receivers. I don't know if. Oh. You know, like if you stay put and don't trade Sutton, you don't trade Judy. I, I don't know how you can justify that. Um, though certainly there's plenty of names we can make there. The edge rusher Hyatt or something just for a mm-hmm. deep threat would be fun mm-hmm. in a Sean Payton offense, but yeah. I don't I don't think they're gonna trade either of these guys because I don't think they're gonna be able to get what they think they're worth. Exactly. And you mentioned tackle. Tackle's certainly a bigger need. But man, trading up for a guy who's ultimately going to be a developmental, um, you know, you're you're developing him year one because Bulls and McGlinchey are set. Those guys are making a ton of money, so you're not going to really start them till year one, till year two, um, unless you were to trade Bulls. But then that means after all these additions on the O line, you're starting left tackle in this crucial year for Russell Wilson ends up being a rookie left tackle. I don't know that that doesn't that doesn't check out to me, you know. So, Keon White, interior D line, would be another name I'd make. But then again, would I rather trade up for Keon White or like hope Javon Dexter drops to me at sixty seven? Right, it's the same thing with the Clark Phillips analogy we just did. Um, and I think you know even the stuff you were saying about tight ends. Yeah, you can move up for one of those tight ends. Tucker Craft at 67 wouldn't be the worst, right? Sam Laporta wouldn't be the worst at 67. So you've got some decent fallback plans. I do think some of those top corners, some of those top interior defensive linemen would be quite intriguing. Outside of that, especially talking it out with my guy here, I think you might just be in a sweet spot at 67, 68 to like let those guys drop. All the positions we've talked about have fairly nice depth and uh, just let it play out, you know? 
I'm right there with you. I I think I would rather sit pat just with where the state of the roster is, but you never know. I mean, if they take a swing on one of these guys, we'll all be sitting there on draft night stoked. Like you mentioned, though, and we'll get into some of these later on, you can bet on all kinds of draft pops with our homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. On top of that, though, you don't want to miss out this Saturday. We've got an action-packed UFC 287 fight card. It's going to finish with an epic rematch. We've got longtime rivals Alex Pereira taking on Israel Adesanya. They're going to face off for the middleweight title. And you can throw down for your shot to win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of USC. New customers bet $5 on a pre-fight money line, get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins. That means you don't have to call it the decision. You don't have to get like knockout or the round or any of that. Just pick the right fighter. And if you get it right, your $5 is going to turn into $100 or $150 in bonus bets. All customers can get closer to the octagon excitement with DraftKings same game parlay. Combine multiple UFC 287 bets into a bigger shot for an even bigger payout. I'm really stoked for a lot of these. Um, I'm a big Max Holloway fan. Which yeah. We've got uh, Street Jesus Masvidal fighting. He's been on a rough stretch, but I think he's really entertaining, so I'm, I'm down to watch that fight. Download the app now. Use the code DNVR. New customers can bet just $5 on a pre-fight money line. Get $150 in bonus bets if their fighter wins this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook. With that code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Masvidal, really good odds on. Um, plus it's intriguing just because mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy, and we've seen it, where it only takes one shot to win yep. a fight. You know, I, I doubt he's going to land it in under 20 seconds or whatever. Like yeah. the time he did the yeah. flying knee, that was yep. epic. But epic. you never know. I will say, though, I have found myself kind of chasing that ever since that I fight, know. and mm-hmm. he's really struggled. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that... He kind of turns it around just from an entertainment value. Um, I know he's kind of controversial with some of the stuff he says, but I don't really care. Um, I yeah. don't. I don't expect my UFC cage fighters to be yes. my my <laughs> moral compass here. Yeah, that's right. Um, cage fighters should not be your moral compass. Um, <laughs> but anyways, a lot more to come from DraftKings in this show, where they are really my guiding light for the next two segments. Great time to be on that app as a draftnik and take advantage. And uh, it's that time, man. We're we're back at, to having baseball at Coors. The sun is out. It's when Denver really pays us off for suffering through some of those winter moments. So sunny, so beautiful in this blessed city we all love. And right now, you can protect your eyes with the shades, the deal for sunglass lovers around the world using code DMVR for 50% off at ShadyRays.com where you can get high-quality designer shades from an independent company that's not marking things up and giving you high-quality, fashionable uh with great lenses. What what are those called? You're you're an actual lens expert because you have to Yeah, they're they're polarized and it's polarized. awesome because some polarized lenses can be overwhelming, especially if you're like yep. me and you need prescription glasses. If you're not wearing prescription sunglasses, a polarized lens can basically be too dark. You don't see anything. It's like great, yep. there's no glare, but I can't see anything now. Shady rays, it's the complete opposite. I wear them when I'm walking the dog. They're not prescription. I'm would be blind in other scenarios. <laughs> Still gotta gotta look both ways when I cross the street and maybe yep, do a double yep. take. But it's nice and convenient because it takes the glare out and it just makes it a a perfect 
like shade of brightness for your for your day. It's nice and comfortable. They're they sit on your face perfectly. I mean, they really are some of the best sunglasses I've ever had. I, I could not be more impressed. Uh, I agree completely. I have four pairs. Love every which one more than the other. Actually, wearing mine right now because I have this terrible glare from the sun in my office when we record earlier on Fridays. Doesn't bother me one bit because Shady Rays is taking care of me. Go to shadyrays.com and use that code DMVR exclusive deal for our listeners to get 50% off two or more pairs of sun polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over 250,000. People, okay, did a mock, and boy, this class is so, it's a tough one to handicap. It is a tough one to handicap, Justin. So the light switched on last night. Well, it's a tough draft to handicap. I'm going straight to the handicappers at DraftKings Sportsbook and using their odds to guide me through this mock draft. We don't need to dig into every single pick, but I want to kind of give you the lay of the land, and then we can talk it out. As of two to three days ago, C.J. Strout, overwhelming favorite to be the first overall pick. Last night, noticed a switch. Bryce jumped into the favorite seat. I thought that was notable. Put Bryce number one to Carolina. This morning, C.J. Strout back in the slimmest of lead. I'm talking minus 130 versus minus 105. Go back to it right before jumping on that show. Dead even minus 110 on either side. So, hey, Bryce, C.J., the book is telling you it's going to be one of those two guys. Obviously, plenty of surprises in the draft. We've won big, big odds on uh, draft props before. We got to remember how much perception also um, factors in here. But at the end of the day, when it's a tie per the book, I'm going off my board where Bryce is number one, CJ Strout number two. Number three, Arizona, they stay put. Will Anderson, automatic, right? Well, not so fast, my friends, because Will Anderson on the book set over under three and a half under um, super long odds, super long odds. The book is telling you long shot that happens over really tight odds in the minus 200 plus. Well, that says the book really sees these, um, especially top three picks being traded. And so I'm projecting the Raiders to trade up from seven to take Anthony Richardson, at face value, maybe not a McDaniels guy, but a divisive, physically imposing, run-first Florida quarterback. We've seen it all before, Justin. So pencil Anthony Richardson in for Josh McDaniels. He could not feel more different than Jimmy G. So that's like an interesting yep. quarterback room to have. And yep. especially if you're relying on one quarterback and then trying to transition halfway through the season, that's probably going to be a a bit of a, a mess. But yeah, I mean, that, I think with all the smoke we've seen from Ant Anthony Richardson these last couple of weeks, it'd be pretty shocking if he doesn't end up going top five. Yeah. And I mean, like, isn't that quarterback room so similar to Jimmy G Trey Lance? <laughs> Yeah, it feels exactly like San Francisco. Yep, exactly. Um, and this is another notable line here on Anthony Richardson. His over under set at four and a half, the under four and a half minus 255. There you go. 
So they're telling you they the book is telling you they think well, Averitt is going top four. Arizona, right? Like as as much as we love Will Anderson, of course, with these teams needing quarterbacks, whether it's the Raiders or Indy, somebody is gonna somebody's gonna make a move. I just I I think it's got to be a quarterback. So if you're betting, I'd go Richardson. I just am not a Levis guy. At least like Richardson's mm-hmm. tools, I can talk myself into, and there yep. there's some stuff to like about Levis with his arm. I get it. But I just, I don't know. know. It's the difference between the people that actually watch all the college football games and then only tune in during the scouting process. And Mm -hmm. you kind of need both. Like the context of both comes into play, in my opinion. Right. Because if you're just going off flashes and you don't realize like this guy couldn't even like win six games at Florida, you know, or will Levis just look, look like garbage for a lot of the season. And in fact, sounds like the, the um, hype on Will Levis has slowed down quite a bit, and Indy kind of sounds like the only team that's all that high on him anymore. Well, Indy at four, that's who I have him taking. Will Levis, easy peasy. And then that leaves you five, six, kind of chalk. Will Anderson can go to the Seahawks. Jalen Carter can go to the Lions. Um of course, you know, Jalen Carter, uh, the off-field stuff needs to be sorted out. We won't know truly until draft day. But the book has his line set at seven and a half, and the under is minus 190. So the book's telling you one way or another he's not slipping out of the top seven. Um, so I have him going to Detroit. Arizona then at seven with the pick they trade out of. Okay, consolation price, Tyree Wilson. It's not Will Anderson, but you could do worse, certainly. Then I have Atlanta doing Nolan Smith. I'm going to kill him on the draft show if Atlanta takes Nolan Smith because it's just like, please, Falcons, find a way to not do the same thing over and over and over and over. It's the Vic Beasley pick all over again, but hey, um, sometimes you just got to do what you're going to do. There are teams, though, that just do that, where it's like, if you know he's sitting there, he will be the Atlanta pick. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And then I kind of project a run on offensive linemen. I think there's less depth than cornerback. A lot of these teams are projected to either go corner or offensive line. And I leaned offensive line. Paris Johnson does have the shortest odds to be the top offensive lineman taken his over under set at 10 and a half with the under at minus 125. And I have him going to the bears at ninth overall. So he would go in that under 10 and a half. Also, we love a good uh, NFC North big 10 pairing. So, you know, I'm leaning into that Philly house money at 10 could go O-line could go D-line, could surprise us with Bijan or a skill player or a corner. And of course, they have all the corners staring them in the face. With this O-line run starting, I'm giving them Broderick Jones, who, um, per the book, will be the third offensive lineman taken. So Skaronsky does have shorter odds. But I think it's kind of beauty in the eye of the beholder. I think their O-line, you know, the Dillard pick not working out. Um Guys getting older. I think they want some insurance. I think they know how important it is after last season to have that dominant uh, offensive line for them. And so they lean into a guy who has tremendous upside and whose number over under set at 12 and a half um, and goes under that. And the under for him 
13 and a half with minus 175 on the under. So one way or another, Broderick is going to go in the next couple picks. Then it feels I went, like a Philly pick. Just the, I mean, yes, that's the identity yes. of that team. The entire yes. strength of them was at any given point, we could run it for three and a half yards and you are not going to be able to stop it. Totally. And I mean, it's like Nolan Smith is already off the board. Corner could be intriguing, but I think there's corner depth to where they have another first rounder and can wait on that. And, um, you know, who's more appealing, Broderick Jones or like Lucas Van Ness? To me, I'll go Broderick. Yeah, I'd go Broderick. I'll throw a just kind of a, I mean, it'd be more of a luxury, I think, than anything, but it'd be fun to see Philly land one of these versatile tight ends as well, especially just seeing what Kelsey has yeah. become for Mahomes and being able to improvise, like giving yeah. him somebody for when he's, you know, out of the pocket and just, oh, here. 12 yards to Kincaid or whatever, you know, I think that'd be a lot of fun. hundred percent, giving them more versatility. It's where Bijan factors in too, you know, like more just uh, multiplicity on the football field um, would be very intriguing, but we're kind of going meat and potatoes. Tennessee at 11. And a lot of these, I'm looking at the odds. You have draft team specials in under NFL. Um, on DraftKings Sportsbook. And there you can see like the most likely position for the team to draft first. So like Philly has D-line edge at minus 120, O-line at plus 200. I went O-line plus 200. Nice value if you agree with me. Then we get to Tennessee. And this is where I think um, if Vrabel was a true Belichick disciple, he probably goes Peter Skaronsky. But we've seen this in the draft trends for Tennessee before. This is one of those teams that goes after the big boys, goes after a little more high upside. And I think it's where you see that Urban Meyer Vrabel influence, right? Being part of those Ohio State staffs and drafting or, you know, recruiting five stars and knowing how much it matters to have big athletic dudes. And I talked about how I think Darnell Wright could be a surprise and go far higher than the people who follow this year round prognosticate. I went Darnell Wright at 11 over Skaronsky for the Titans. Um, please jump in anytime, but you know, if, if we feel like we can move on, I'm just going to keep it moving. So, so we don't spend like an hour on this mock uh, Houston, no odds after the quarterback pick. They need a weapon for their quarterback though. Let's give him Jackson Smith and Jigba pair him up with CJ Strout feels cool. Home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be a haul. Jackson Smith and Jigba, divisive, small. Ugh. For my rankings, Quentin Johnston's the top guy. For the book, he is the um, overwhelming favorite to be the top wide receiver selected. In fact, Zay Flowers is the second highest odds to be, and I can't really? wait to get into Zay, bro. Yes, every time I watch Zay tape, it's just like, He's small, but shit, I'm believing it. Like, I see it, man. Um, So more on Zay coming in a second. Jets, we got to see what happens with this quarterback situation, but we assume they get it figured out. It also signs like they'll go after Odell Beckham Jr. And, of course, they've traded Elijah Moore. So, you know, wide receiver could be in the mix with only Jackson Smith and Jigman. They have drafted a lot of O-linemen, but if you look at the book, shortest odds is they go O-line first, and I'm giving them Peter Skaronsky. Uh, so there you go. From picks 9 to 13, you have 
the four top offensive tackles all off the board with only Anton Harrison left. And this is where the cornerback run commences because the Patriots, their biggest need and interesting, this Mac Jones being shop stuff. Uh, they go Devin Witherspoon. Doesn't he feel so much like a Belichick cornerback? Yeah, just a guy that you know is going to be able to play man. He's going to be a competent yeah. tackler. He's not going to be caught out of position. Maybe not necessarily the flashiest corner. Like, I'm not, I think there are guys with higher upside just in terms oh, yeah. of some of the traits that they possess. But I mean, when you watch him, there's just, there's really nothing to complain about with Witherspoon's game. It was just really solid, really consistent. Should be able to be a, a day one, you know, contributor, potentially even you know, like a pretty good starter right off the bat. For sure. Um, yeah, just like how that defense has played, they're kind of an outside-in defense in some ways. Mm-hmm. Witherspoon feels like a, a great pick for them. Packers, shortest odds of first position they take, tight end. Shortest odds of first tight end selected, Dalton Kincaid. Boom, boom, Dalton Kincaid at 15 to Green Bay. Washington, kind of chalk, cornerback, top position to target. Let's give him Christian Gonzalez, who is second to Witherspoon as the favorite to be the top cornerback taken. Again, Witherspoon going first to the Patriots, that's DraftKings odds that I made that decision off of. Next two picks, 17 for Pittsburgh, 18 for Detroit. Honestly, I could flip-flop them easily. Lucas Van Ness, uh, Joey Porter Jr., this is where they go off the board. I went with the legacy pick to Pittsburgh. They have to. Come on, right? If he's around, they have to. lean into stuff like that. Yes, they, they do, do. Of course. So I, it well, would not shock me at all. They they lean into that stuff because of the longevity that that franchise has had. You know, the rest of these teams were, were switching coaches every two years. They've had like five coaches in the last 50, you know, and the same families owned it. The same guys are running this team. And yeah, they know that Porter family, like that family is literally family. Um, Obviously, Papa and, uh, you know, you know that you, you know him well. Um, there, there's some, there's some connections there in your world. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's been around football forever. He's stayed in coaching, like just pencil him in. He's played locally at Penn state, like, holy shit. And it's just like the Kenny Pickett pick, right? Like that dude was in the building cause Pitt and the Steelers play in the same field and like practice facilities are connected. Like that connection mattered for Pickett. I think it'll matter for Joey Porter jr. And Lucas Van Ness to Detroit, man. Like, you want ankle biters, Dan Campbell? Uh, that offense was humming last year. That defense sucks, man. And now you just Van added... Ness and Jalen Carter both? Sign me up, right? Like, yeah, uh, I'm all nasty. in. I'm all in. That feels like an NFC North front, dude. A front that's ready to compete right now. Uh, people would be all over that Lions draft. Miles Murphy drops to 19 to Tampa. Let's make it happen. Uh, did not have odds on Tampa. Now we get into some teams that uh, we didn't have odds on, but Murphy's fall has lasted long enough. I think 19's about his floor. Seattle, let's give him Zay Flowers, the second highest, uh, shortest odds of a wide receiver taken in this draft. The comp is Tyler Lockett. Well, uh, the team that has been able to get a fruitful decade out of Tyler Lockett would be great. Adds another vertical element for Geno Smith and that offense um, and can play outside to inside, you know, would be really intriguing. Chargers, Austin Eckler quote came out yesterday. Worst case scenario would be that he's stuck at in L.A. next year for the Chargers. 
Let's replace him with Bijan Robinson, a guy who's got more size and some of that same dual threat ability. Him and Herbert, man, that's that's scary. That's assuming that their offensive line stays healthy and the Chargers don't charger it up in some way, but they'll charger it up, but still like a line with Zion Johnson or Sean Slater, that backfield, like okay, okay. We're at some point it's just enough talent that like I feel like you have to overcome even your own flaws as an organization. I mean, it's it'd be drafting Darwin James to that defense they had a few years ago. It'd be the offensive equivalent, essentially. Yeah. Um, especially if then you got a draft, you know, like draft picks in return for an Austin Eckler trade. Baltimore, let's stop the Quentin Johnston fall. Um, their shortest odds of uh, position taken is wide receiver. Easy peasy. Minnesota, our entire lives, we've seen Minnesota draft um, cornerbacks. Let's give him Cam Smith, one of the few top 10 prospects left on my board who is still available, him and Quentin Johnston. Jacksonville, let's lean into that Clemson connection. T-Law, the chosen one from Clemson. Let's give him the chosen one on the defensive side in Brian Bercy. Um He'd be G- fun with the guys that they have Dude. in that front seven, especially because you Devon wouldn't Walker. need him to be overwhelming. You just uh-huh. need him to come in and eat up space uh-huh. at times and kind of create opportunities for those guys on the edge. Like that feels very um, Broncos 2015 with Malik yep. Jackson and on the inside and then everybody that you had on the outside. Yeah, and then Devin Lloyd behind those dudes. Like, ah, Duval. Um, I want the Jaguars to be good. It'd be I don't dope. Know why, but I just think it would be, be fun. It'd be so much fun. Absolutely. Um, Giants were a tough one. You could go a multitude of different directions. So I just went Keely Ringo, which again is one of their biggest needs at cornerback. Anyways, Dallas, highest position um, for them to take is tight end. And I mean, like Jerry that feels Jones. like a Jerry Jones. Pick. Oh my Michael God. Mayer, get the oh Notre Dame God. dude, big Ooh. dude. You have him in the helmet, and you know, you want that like Sunday night football shot where he's standing in the middle of the field and they're like, look at him, like in the yep. blue jersey, yeah, shines brightest in Dallas. And yep. Jason yeah, Jason Witten feels- comps come out, they have troubling conversations while, um, drinking brews uh on the practice facility up it, it all checks out i'm sorry michael mayor it's it's just some funny josh and I, I i hope you're not a deranged crazy person um buffalo you could go more like hey eat your vegetables on this but i said screw it jordan addison let's make this happen it, that passing game struggles last year were really concerning so i think another at weapon like addison added to the mix they need somebody that just gets open and that's Addison. Like, yep. it felt like there were times where you're trying to rely on Cole Beasley in 2022 <laughs> yes, on third and yes. short, where it's like, this is really the best we can do with a generational right. QB. Right. We've tried Emmanuel Sanders. That didn't work out. Like, let's go back to the well. Jordan Addison staring you in the face. Don't even think about it. The Litnikoff Award winner uh, at Pitt, stud all around. Cincy, there's no better fit than Darnell Washington. This is one of my better team fits of the entire mock. Again, this is the most likely position for them to draft. We said, you said, three tight ends feels like a lock. Well, we needed three. We got our last two at picks 26 and 27. And, you know, the emphasis on protecting Burrow. Let's go get the best blocking tight end in uh, several years of drafting. And then imagine those five wides where Darnell's not getting any attention and can just get a like 
wide open dump off and like wreck havoc in the open field as he's running over dudes like perfect perfect fit breaks my heart play action stuff you i mean with that backfield that they have and then you get them out wide it just it opens up a lot of different combinations and that'd be a fun pick i mean that i want that just because i want the Bengals to get through the chiefs but yeah I, i think it'd be a lot of fun dude this to me really jumped out and then I break my own heart, but I think Adetaware, uh, the Northwestern defensive lineman that I've talked up for two episodes now, I just don't think guys that are 21 have the Northwestern label on them, which, you know, people like. Like, that's not an easy school to get into. Uh, run a 449 at 270 pounds and are like regularly disruptive on tape is going to drop far. And he feels like a very saintsy fit, right? He fits in a four man front. So nice, disruptive developmental piece. Um, Eagles missed out on their corner earlier at the 10th pick. They go Deontay Banks, feels like a really nice consolation prize. And then the Chiefs, who could go in the trenches or could be intrigued by Jalen Hyatt or other speedster wide receivers. I have going with Anton Harrison. One, I if there's any guy who I'm like, shit, I let this guy drop like 10 spots more than I would have liked. It's Harrison. Um, but it fits. Like, this is a team that got Creed Humphrey two rounds after I had him projected uh, a couple years ago, and he's, he's been an absolute phenom for them at center. Oklahoma connection. I mean, those guys must be watching just a ton of Lincoln Riley tape because you just, you see like the influence a bunch. Um, So there you go. Anton Harrison. And I feel really good about this mock. I do too. I think that would make a lot of sense, especially with Orlando Brown moving on to Mm -hmm. Cincinnati this off season. You got to, you got to fill that void. And that was really the thing with the chiefs, you know, for a couple of years there where it was the offensive line that let him down. You don't want to get back in that, that same territory where you're blowing this generational talent. You have a QB just trying to get too cute and cut corners there. Any of those weapons on the outside would be scary with Mahomes, Jameer Gibbs, somebody like that. But the truth is, is I think at this point he's kind of proved you don't need it. Like if, as long as you have competent receivers on the outside, invest in the trenches and Mahomes is going to be great enough to make it happen. Totally. And I mean, there are other rounds where a Josh Downs could be had, a Cedric Tillman could be had, uh, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss getting a ton of buzz. You know, Trey Palmer out of Nebraska ran really fast. Like, and I mean, you know, like it's not like Tyreek Hill was a first round pick. Like they they can find and develop wide receivers. Um, so that will be a really interesting selection. I I do feel like Bijan's going to go higher, but I feel really good about the first run happens on the O-line. Well, the first run happens at quarterback in the top four, then at offensive tackle, then at corner, and then things kind of fit into place. Some of the fallers find homes. And, um, you know, some of my favorite, like if the draft actually unfolded like this, Pick 17 on, you have a ton of just slam dunks. Joey Porter, uh, Van Ness, say Flowers, Miles Murphy, Bijan, Quentin Johnston, Cam Smith. Like, you'd be getting really high. Yes. These are all, and they're good fits too, like within those organizations. Right. And they're not guys who, like, looking back, it's like, "Ah, how do I fit them in the top 15? Like, the top 15 played out the way it played out. Um, So, 
We'll get into some takeaways and how to make some money on this off of DraftKings Sportsbook. But first, a shout out to the homies at Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, We got to get back to the farmhouse. That was such a blast, man. It's the season where I can get back to crushing some beers outside. So much fun. And right now with that playoff run coming, I know you're all in on the Avalanche Ale from Breck. It's uh, you know, uh, it's that that nice little brown ale that has become harder to find locally. Some might say, but Breck has not abandoned theirs and has you covered to get in on the Avalanche Ale or any of their other delicious beers. Um, I said brown ale. I meant amber. I'm so sorry. Go to breckbrew.com for their beer locator. Check out their beer locator and find the beers near you, whether you're out of state or in state. You can uh, find a Breck beer near you and you will not be disappointed. Okay. Justin, I forget if we talked about this last time on the pod, but I'm kind of really high on... Over four and a half wide receivers drafted in the first round, plus 245. The mock I just did, only four are in there. So the under being in the minus 200s would prove to be right. I just think a guy like Hyatt's going to be go higher than where we're prognosticating. Josh Downs especially, I think, could jump in and make some noise. Um, geez, I mean... Tank Dell, who who I love, and the more I watch, I think has some real juice. Marvin Mims, I think, is not that far off. Guys like um, Addison or JSN. I don't know. I just feel like in a league where Hollywood Brown's being traded for a first rounder and Elijah Moore's being traded for multiple premium top 100 picks, more than like one of those wide receivers sneaks into the first round because we've like, we very clearly value the wide receiver position more than just about any other position outside of quarterback. I think if you bet that and the, the tight end prop we talked about, one of them's going to hit. I don't think both of them are going to hit, but I think one of them is guaranteed to hit because I think one of those teams is either going to take a pass catcher at receiver or they're going to draft, you know, a tight end. And I think just with yeah. this, with the, with the board, I still probably lean tight end just because I think you feel so sure about those top three or four guys. Like they feel like yeah. can't miss prospects. That said, I mean, tight ends sometimes take a little bit longer to make an impact. Like maybe you find that day one receiver. So I think if you place both, at least one of them will hit. I'd be pretty surprised if both hit, but I think one is is guaranteed to hit. The tight end line is over two and a half. That's plus 220 right now. I'm with you. Yeah, I think I'm placing that I'm bet kidding. right now. O-line, I was surprised because when I saw this, it's set at five and a half to go in round one. And I was like, oh man, the over, which is in the minus 200s, is going to be easy. Well, in this mock, despite the run on O-linemen, I ended up with five exactly, the top offensive tackles. It's the interior offensive line that's going to throw this off. But under at plus 160 feels good. I don't know that there's one interior offensive lineman that I'm truly like, oh, how did I 
mock the first 31 and not have Osiris Torrance in here or John Michael Schmitz. Um, like, I, I don't know. And, you know, like the next tier of offensive tackles, Dua Jones, Jalen Duncan, like I think those guys probably drop a little. So I don't know. Under plus at five and a half at plus 160. It's very on NFL. I usually always take the over because the NFL is just going to NFL. But how do you feel about this one? I like the value. I, I mean, I think it's you can see the scenario in which this plays out. Yeah. I just, it's set so perfectly. Like if, if it was six and a half, I'd be like, jump all over this. But at five and a half, it only takes essentially one offensive lineman going higher than we're anticipating to kill this bet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like the chances of the tight end or the receiver bet hitting a lot higher. Look at this one. The first, yeah, I'm with you. That one kind of feels like you are kind of betting against yourself to some extent. Yeah, it just, it's, it's just not the NFL. It's built within the trenches and there's going to be somebody that somebody reaches on. We see it every year. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're right. Um, First linebacker take, and I think it's intriguing that Drew Sanders is the favorite at plus 105. Jack Campbell right there at plus 115. I like the value of both those guys. I mean, I might sprinkle both of them and just see if you can hit it. That would not be bad. Um, And I mean, again, Darnell Wright plus 1,000 to be the first all-alignment selected. I think there's some value in a sprinkle there. or some other guys that you like as far as first non-QB? First non-QB, let me go to that one. So Devin Witherspoon, I think, is really intriguing. I actually think I already bet this um, and got better value than plus 1,100 because he was the, um, at the time, he was projected to be the second corner taken. So I actually want to try and go into my bet slip and tell you what I did get that at. Not that anyone cares. but um, So yeah, Witherspoon. I got him as the first offensive player selected at plus 10,000. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I still think it'll be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, but of course, who knows? Of course. But as far as sprinkles go, yeah. um, I do think Paris Johnson at plus 3,000 is pretty good value. Um, but that's about it. Uh, Van Ness plus 13,000. I could see that, man. I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's probably it out of these. That's about it, yeah. But Darnell Wright, it's not going to happen, but plus 12,000 feels good. Anthony Richardson awesome. plus twelve hundred for first offensive player selected. CJ and Bryce both minus one ten. Is that worth sprinkling just in case somebody falls in love? Or at, at this point, it feels pretty. Unless another trade <sighs> happens, it feels like it's pretty much set in stone that it'll be Bryce and or Stroud. It doesn't feel impossible. Um, First off, you know, Frank Reich has a history of always working with big quarterbacks, which is where Bryce scares you. And, you know, like the the NFL draft surprises happen because you talk yourself into upside. Anthony Richardson. It's it's intriguing. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think it's as worth a sprinkle as just about any of these. Zay Flowers under 24 and a half B minus 245, I think is amazing. I kind of love that. Um, and then, like I said, if you, like me, believe the Eagles could go draft their first position as O-line, that's plus 200. That's really nice value. If, like I've been saying for a while, now the mock I have them taking an O-lineman, but you think the Bears will select a wide receiver as their first pick, that's plus 900. That's value, What are they going to take if they're not moving on from the quarter break? Well, um, the Bears are most likely to go O-line. They could go... The thing is, now they have DJ Moore, Darnell Moody, and Chase Claypool. So you could plausibly talk yourself into like a wide receiver isn't their biggest need, but like Johnston's an upgrade over Claypool. Uh, Addison, Jackson, Smith, and Jake. All those receivers. I think like DJ (laughs) Moore is a solid wide receiver. He's a starting wide receiver, but it's not like you're like, oh man, we got DJ Moore now. Like, I don't. The other thing is, what if they went after Bijan? What if they were like, look, Austin Eckler is the kind of great outlet that's really helped Herbert. We love our backfield, but Bijan isn't a pure running back. We can play him in the slot. We can play like 22 personnel to where we we put guys out wide. We're in the NFC North and have a running quarterback, so we need to lean into that. Our RPO would be dangerous and dynamic. Like Teams don't just think of positions as like positions and positional value. They're thinking of mismatches going into a week at plus 2000 i'm just saying that's not terrible value especially oh, if they were to like 2000 if they were to trade down again you know and it's like oh now we're sitting at 15 those top o linemen went and we like bijan better as a like playmaker in the slot than we do jsn or jordan addison well in that division too like playmaking running backs have always been so big whether i mean obviously you could look at adrian peterson in minnesota but even these last couple of years with Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones and the dynamic that he's brought to that Packers offense or, you know, Jamal Williams, even in Detroit, like Chicago really hasn't had a true starting running back, like a guy you feel great about since what, like Matt Forte since his prime. I mean, there were a couple of guys in between there that that put up some numbers, but it's been a while since they've had that. And I love the comparison to the Chargers situation, just giving him a viable option to throw the ball to at any given point when it breaks down, just somebody to dump it off to. He's so athletic. You can create opportunities for him in the screen game. You can get him on the edge. Like there's just so many different ways. A guy like Bijan would be beneficial for a young quarterback, especially Mm -hmm. if you don't have that like true elite wide receiver one. Yeah. And I mean, Khalil Herbert looked good last year, but he's not a guy that like precludes you from making a top 10 pick. And they added Dante Foreman, so they have those more bruising, you know, north and south I runners. I guess he was pretty good once McCaffrey was was gone from Carolina mm-hmm. last year. Foreman had a pretty solid production, so I don't want to... But a journeyman, right? Like, yeah. he's not like, oh, they just signed him as the highest paid running back in the NFL. They can't spend a top 10 pick on that position. Yeah, I guess, like, it's... It's a nice offseason, I think, if you're a Bears fan, but it's not, you know, the Broncos going out and being, oh, we brought in DeMarcus Ware and Wes Welker in the same offseason. You know, it's like, yeah, DJ Moore, nice piece. Deontay Foreman, nice piece. B. 
Bijan has the ability to be a transcendent back. Like he is so versatile. Yeah. And I, City of Chicago would love a dude like that. I think they should trade back. Why not? See it, like get as many weapons as you can, unless you're absolutely in love with one of these tackles. And in which case I would get that, mm-hmm. you know, protect your investment. But I would just try and pull a Patriots and trade back and get as many like second, third, fourth round picks as you can. Maybe a late first round. If somebody is aggressive enough, if you land Bijan at 15, you still might be able to land one of those tackles in the late twenties. Plus 2000. Probably not the top four, but you never know. Right. Right. But uh, Anton Harrison, you know, top five potentially. Um, and they, they just have so many holes. I think another trade down should be in the works. That's why I didn't like the original trade down with Carolina. I thought they could have got more out of the trade down from one and maybe plausibly traded down too. twice before they got all the way down to nine instead of doing that all in one. Obviously, DJ Moore swung that trade for them and they valued him about as highly as a you know top 35 pick. Um so, yeah, there you go. That's intriguing. That's intriguing. Any other bets that are jumping out to you before we get out of here? No, that's about it. But um, go back and re-listen to that mock. Lots of takeaways on that end. Uh, if Bijan weren't RB1, there would be a lot of money to be won on Jameer Gibbs and guys like that. I just... I ah. love Jameer Gibbs. I tried before the season. I, I tried too. to do the let's zag and... Gibbs is my running back one. And I, in a lot of years, he probably would be just because he's perfect for the modern NFL. But Bijan is just, he's on another level. I think, I think between the tackles, he's just going to give you a little bit more than Jameer is at the next level. Yeah, for sure. So that's, uh, that's where we're at beginning of April. It's going to be an exciting and unpredictable draft about as unpredictable as any, We're going to do it all over again next week and the week after and the week after that and even after the draft, the week after that. Going to be great having Jake back. Always a pleasure, J-Mike. Check out all his stuff at TMVR Rams. Thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for presenting this here podcast and giving us all these great props to base their mock off of. We'll see you next week.